Today, we close out this story, this amazing man, Nehemiah. And I don't know about you, but I have truly gotten so much uh, as I've studied and as the Holy Spirit has poured words into my heart, as I have leaned into the Holy Spirit, asking the Holy Spirit uh, throughout my day, just be thinking about it and meditating on this, on this book and, and this person, this character, and trying to put my shoes, myself in, in the shoes of Nehemiah, and trying to understand what he was going through and the Israelites as what they were going through as they were relocating themselves to another uh, land. Obviously, it was originally their land, but um, those people who were relocating uh, didn't, um, they, they weren't really familiar with it because they were in captivity for so long in uh, Babylon and then to the Persian Empire. And so I've learned so much from this, and we specifically focused on the ruins. You know, Nehemiah was just a cupbearer to the king, and he heard through the grapevine, through reports, that people who had gone back to Jerusalem, that the walls were in terrible shape. In fact, the Bible says they were in ruins. And so it really bothered Nehemiah. So Nehemiah prayed and asked the Lord what he's going to do. And so Nehemiah had a burden, and he wanted to rise from the ruins. He wanted his, his people, his nation, his family to rise from the ruins. And so uh, we talked about as we rise from the ruins, we've got to first acknowledge that they exist, and we've got to pray over them, and then we've got to trust that God can make something beautiful. But as we try to rise from those ruins, those things that you and I may have done in the past, it could, be, it could have been years ago or could have been last night, things that have caused ruins in your life, we have to acknowledge that they exist, trust in God to make something beautiful. And obviously, we need to pray over them. But as we try to rise up from those ruins in our life, uh, we have fears that creep up. And those fears come in the form of questions. And, and I proposed, hey, when, when somebody asks me a question, I try my best to give them an answer. And so when those fears arise in your mind and your heart, then we need to answer those fears. And that's exactly what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah answered with action. He created a plan. He had critics asking questions. And he answered with action. He also answered with authority. He answered one of his critics and said, as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim to the historic right. The fears in your head and your heart have no right to your mind and your heart. Those fears, those questions that are asking things such as, are, are you sure they will even listen to you as you try to mend this relationship? Or do you remember the last time you tried to fix this? Why even try? Whatever those questions are, those fear, you need to answer those with action, with authority, and then also with abandon. And what we mean by this is just to say, Lord, I, I give it to you. I give it to you. Sometimes we, we try to answer too much we try to talk too much, answering our critics. Sometimes the best thing to do is just, there's no need for additional verbal responses of defense for us trying to rise from our ruins. 
What we need to do is surrender the plans to the one who can defend us. And so, and just abandon to God. So as we try to rise from the ruins and answer those, those fears with, um, with action, authority, and abandon, uh, we have a tendency to be content when things start getting better. We talked about this last week. When things start looking right, when things start, start getting better, like for instance, if you have some marriage ruins that are lying around or relationship ruins, and you, you go and, and you fix those with the help of God and, and his power and, and, and the move of the Holy Spirit, and, and you see results happening, it's so easy for us to say, all right, that, that's good. We're going to stop here. And that's what happened to the Israelites. As they were building the wall, they started getting more opposition and threats. And they were like, okay, the wall's half built. I think this might be good. I think this might be, I know a deer can jump over it, you know, but it might be hard for a person to jump over it. But this is good. No, it wasn't good. And so Nehemiah had to share the vision of what that wall is again. Your situation, financial, relationships, marriage, whatever it is, health, you should have a vision of what that should look like. And you're going to use the ruins. The ruins that have happened, you're going to use those to build something beautiful. You and God, God's going to work in you. As you trust in him, I trust it all. I give it to you, Lord. And so as, as you and I um, sort of see things happening, we want to stop. We want to stop halfway. And what are some things that make us stop halfway? Well, we, we see the threats of the enemy. We see uh, even greater things happening. For example, if you see evidence of, of, of you rising out of marriage ruins, your enemy could come in the form of an, of an old flame flirting with you on social media. What's, what should be done with this? We need to set up guards. We need to set up boundaries. That's what Nehemiah did. They, he posted guards against those people who are ready to attack. Those people outside the city who weren't even, who weren't even uh, Israelites. They weren't even Jews. And so he positioned guards in the most exposed places along the wall. What are the exposed places in your life that you need to set up guards, that you need to set up boundaries as you try to rise from the ruins? Another thing that could cause you and I to just settle for halfway, hey, things are looking good. I'm just going to stop there, even though it's not the vision that God has for this situation for my life. What's another thing? It's, it's, you're going to get tired. You're just going to get tired of building. And that's what happens. When you and I get tired of rising from the ruins, when we're overwhelmed, you and I need to rely on other people. You, know, you, you need to rely on your family, those people in your family who trust you. I used the, um, I used the example last week of, of health. If you feel like you need to rise from the ruins of, of bad health, and you seemed overwhelmed of trying to do this on your own, well, of course you are. You need to involve your family. You need to involve those closest to you and help you. 
My wife tells me all the time, I'm, I'm here, I'm called to help you with your health while I'm, you know, eating something I shouldn't be eating, okay? But you, you can call upon those people you love. Your church family is another way. I mentioned last week, last week, small groups. That's why small groups are important, okay? So involve your family. You're going to get tired. You're going to get overwhelmed. You're going to want to settle for halfway. Don't settle for halfway. And then the other thing that, that we found last week in Nehemiah is that the people were starting to believe the enemy. They were starting to believe the enemy. You may begin to believe in that credit report as you're trying to rise from your financial ruins, or you may begin believing the harsh words spoken by your spouse, keeping you from rising from your marriage ruins. What's the solution? What did Nehemiah do? He, he told them, okay, I want you to, I want you to pack. I want you to, I want you to carry some weapons, okay? So I can just imagine if that was today, man, they'd be packing. But obviously they, they were carrying swords. And while they worked, while they stacked rock, they were holding spears. He gave them weapons. You and I have weapons. You and I have weapons. God's word is a major weapon. There's lots of scripture in here with your situation that can help you. Prayer is a weapon. There's so many weapons for the Christian life. And so as, um, as, as you are starting to rise from the ruins and you see things starting to, to go right and you're sort of halfway, I'm just going to stop here because I'm, I'm believing in, I'm believing the words and the voices in my head and I believe that's going to happen or I believe uh, what this person said or what this person thinks or whatever. I believe my boss, I believe my boss doesn't, does it really think highly of me? I think I'm going to get fired. You know, you start believing those things. Don't believe those things. Use the weapons, the spiritual weapons that uh, are at our disposal. So what was the outcome as we move on and as we close out the story? And by the way, as you move on, there, there's this message today. As we close it out, you... I believe there's people here today, as I was praying this morning, I believe there are people here today who are here, sitting here, who need what I'm going to share with you today. So I need you to listen very intently. So what was the outcome of the persistence of the Hebrews, of the Jews, as they were building the wall? It says there in Nehemiah chapter 6, uh, verse, um, verse 16, it says there, um, when all our enemies heard about this, all of the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of God. Now, what did they hear of? And it says, when our enemies heard about this, here's what they heard. The wall is complete. The wall, it's complete. The wall is standing at the height and at the stature that it used to back in the glory days. The wall is complete. And in fact, Nehemiah, and, and later on we're going to read in celebration, he, he would have people on the wall. He would have choirs on the wall 
leading worship. He'd have the band up there rocking, leading worship as a celebration. And you know what's amazing about this wall? If you see this passage in, in verse 16, and all this work had been done with the help of our God. Can I tell you something about this wall? This wall was completed in 52 days. 52 days, this wall. Ruins back up to where it's supposed to be. The vision laid out by God to Nehemiah. 52 days. If that's not God, I don't know what is. Of course it is. And so when you and I rise from the ruins, you, you and others are going to see, okay, man, God is behind that. God is doing something amazing in there. And, and the worse the ruin, can I tell you something? And this is, this is all God. If you're sitting there singing, Frank, man, my, my ruins are bad. Good. Good. Because God loves to take the worst situation and flip it around and make it better. You know, these, these, these shows where they take old homes and they flip them and they make them better, there's all kinds of shows unlike that. And I believe Jesus would have a show like that on TV, except it wouldn't be houses, it would be lives. It'd be lives. And this person was caught and adultery, and now look at them, rising from the ruins. We, there's stories in God's word about that. Or this person was caught in, in drugs, or, or this person was caught in, in whatever. And so Jesus loves to take those lies and flip them. And because people would say there's no other reason behind that than God, God touched life. Because I'm going to tell you something. Could you make your life better? Yes, you can. You can make your life better with your own strength. There's millions of people do. Millions of people in this world make their lives better. Financially, health-wise, relationships, whatever it is. But it's superficial. It's hollow. There's no depth. There's no meaning. There's no end in sight. There's no eternity value into what they're doing. But when you can approach your ruins like, God, I can't do this. I need you. I need you. And when he takes your life and flips it around, people say no other reasoning than God and God alone. So the wall was complete. It's finished. Great. Awesome but there was still a problem, sort of. You see, the walls remained every day for the Jews to look at and be reminded of how they strayed away from the Lord. Let me remind you that the reason why the walls are down is because the Jews, God's chosen people, the Red Sea, you got David and Goliath. You got all of these amazing stories of faith. And what did they do with it? They slapped God in the face by turning to idolatry. 
by turning and worshiping other gods who've not done anything for them. Why? Because they're fake. You've heard of fake news, but there's also fake gods. And so these people, God said, all right, this chosen people, I, I, can't, I can't handle this sin. So he caused another nation to come and take them in exile, and they tore down a lot of stuff. They killed a lot of people and exiled many of the ones left behind. And so the, the walls were in ruins because of sin in their life. So imagine you're walking out of your house, and you see the wall surrounding the city of Jerusalem. And you think, there it is. There's the wall. Oh, but I remember when I built this part of the wall that we had to use some old ruins from the previous wall. And there's, there's a brick here, and there's some more bricks here from the previous wall. You can kind of tell. And then there's a new part, and we put these other new bricks or stones or whatever. And so as they, as they look at the wall, it's complete, yes, but it's also a reminder of their past life. It's a reminder of what they have gone through. So the newly built walls included the reminders of their past sins. You may have risen from the ruins with something. Maybe you have risen from the ruins of something huge, like maybe a a marriage affair or or maybe financial troubles or maybe from a bad reputation. You've kind of risen out of that. And with God's help, he has made something beautiful out of your hurtful circumstances. You didn't stop halfway. You had a vision of what your life was going to be renewed by. You, You had that. You pressed on. Congratulations. But... Let me ask you a question. What are you going to do with those beautiful ruins God has created? What are you going to do with those beautiful ruins that he's created? Just like the Jews who looked at the walls every day, your completed ruins surround you like a wall. They surround you. You can't miss it. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? How do you make sure that those ruins in your life don't come back and tumble down upon you? And more importantly, and here's here's, here's the gist of where we're going today. How do you not allow, even though how beautiful they are, those ruins not cause you to go back to your old life? How do you not allow those ruins to cause you not to go back to your old life? The very thing that caused the ruins. How do we do that? Because that's what the Jews faced. That's what they, that's what they had to do. They were around that. In, in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1 through 3, we're going to uh, see how the Jews did this. What did they do? And uh, so in verse um, 1 of chapter eight, we see this. All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. Okay, so this walls are completed. They told Ezra, 
the teacher of the law, and, and if you're going to read Nehemiah, I would read Ezra, great book. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses. Okay? That's a Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. So they were probably teenagers, maybe some young children. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate at the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened intently to the book of the law. So there's, there's this huge assembly. Everybody is in this open area, and they're listening to Ezra read from the law. And the people began to cry out to the Lord as they compared the holiness of God's word to the sins of the ruins. In chapter 8, verse 9 through 11, it says this, then... 9 through 10. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priests and teachers of the law and the Levites who were instructing the people, said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice, uh, choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our God, to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Comparing their ruins with the holiness of God kept them straying away from the Lord's command. You see... They knew what their forefathers had done. They knew what their parents and grandparents and great-great-parents had, had, had done, and they were a part of that. And as a nation, they were understanding, look, this is the reason why these walls, we had to rebuild these walls, is because the sin of our past and our people. And, and so as the, the book of the law of Moses was read to them, they were awakened and their eyes were opened to the holiness of God's word compared to what they have done in the past. And they were like, oh, dear God. And they were crying. They were weeping out loud. You could hear it for miles. Let me tell you something. What is going to keep you from going back into that lifestyle that, that got you to where your ruins are now? What is going to keep you from that? When you and I compare our life to the holiness of God, we're going to be awestruck. And we're going to be like, well, I know who I am. I'm just a filthy sinner. Me personally, I'm a pastor, but just like you, I'm a sinner. I'm a man in need of a savior. You are a man, a woman, a student, a child in need of a savior. And so knowing what God's word says and knowing that you could easily drift back into this ruin of yours is exactly a good thing. Knowing 
and comparing. So comparing your life up against God's word. Notice I didn't say compare your life to others who may be pulling themselves out of the same ruins. Don't compare your life to others. You're going to end up building halfway. But if you compare your life to God's word, you're going to understand, wow, look, look what I have done in the past. And as you have risen out of the ruins, even how beautiful they are, it's just a simple reminder. But you don't need to stay there because I love what goes on after this. You need to remain strong. Your strength is a joy of the Lord. I've heard this many, many times before. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That's found right there in Nehemiah. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So it takes joy that God has given you to make you stronger, to know that these ruins, these beautiful ruins that God has, in your, has, has helped you with, that can also bring you joy. Yeah, it can also remind you of your past, but it can also say, you know what? Look what God has done. The next thing we can do to help keep us from going back to the road of ruins is to confess, as it says in Nehemiah chapter nine, one through three. Look what, the, what, what they did on the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. They stood in the places and confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. They stood where they were and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day and spent another quarter in confession and in worshiping the Lord their God. When we confess our weakness of moving beyond our ruins, God teaches us his attributes. God teaches us his attributes. And in, in, in verse uh, 17, the last part of 17, but you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. What a great verse of hope. What a great verse of hope. I've, I've heard that, I've read that many, many times before. But just knowing that, it, that it, this verse is, is with this story of Nehemiah just gives hope. Through their ruins, they have learned a very important attribute of God, that he is a forgiving God. He is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger and abounding in love. And so... We need to confess, we need to confess the lifestyle that has created those ruins. We need to confess that. We need to acknowledge that we have done those things. That's what confession is. Lord, I confess to you. I, I've done this. I own this. This is all on me. And so confessing that, that's what, the, that's what the Israelites did. And confessing helps them to not go back to the very thing that brought ruins on their life. So compare our life to the word and the holiness of God, confessing those things that we've done. And then the last thing is we need to commit 
to using those ruins. Instead of allowing the completed wall to be this constant reminder of who they used to be and overlooking the, the markings on the wall of the past ruins, Nehemiah helped them to see the beauty of God's work in their ruins. Instead of hiding from it, Nehemiah encouraged them to embrace a holy respect for these ruins through a dedication ceremony. To help us with the fear of going back to the life that caused the ruins, we need to commit to use these beautiful ruins. You need to commit to use these ruins. So whatever these ruins look like in your life, what, what Nehemiah is telling us is this. Look, we're, we're not going to pretend this doesn't exist. We're not going to walk around in Jerusalem and do business and everything and pretend these walls don't exist because they do. They do exist. And not only does a wall exist, but there's markings and there's stones that, uh, of the past that, that is a reminder of, of what had happened that caused the ruins. We're not going to walk in this life and pretend like these don't exist. And in fact, we are going to dedicate this wall. Dedicate this wall. So Nehemiah has a dedication ceremony. Dedicating the wall. They're dedicating the ruins. They're dedicating the, 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 the thing that very, the very thing that shows what they have done and the result of, of their forefathers and their families walking in sin and idolatry. What does that say to us? Church, God wants you to not ignore those ruins. He wants you to use them. He wants you to use them. You say, well, I, there's no way I can use my ruins. How do I use my ruins? If you've ever had marriage issues, you know what it's like. And if you've risen out of that, you and your spouse, what can you do? How can you use those ruins? You could pray for people, for marriages in this church. And if, and it, without giving specific, even specific names, I'll just, I'll just give you a list of all of the people, all of the couples in this church. If you want to start praying for marriages, I'll give you all the couples in this church. And you could begin praying for people in our church. If you, if you have risen from the ruins of, of a bad reputation, maybe somewhere in middle school and high school, and now you're an adult and you've risen out of those ruins of a bad reputation, don't ignore that. Don't try to put that under the rug. Don't like, I'll never want to talk about that. No, talk about that. Sit down with students, maybe their parents. Help guide them. Because you walked through that. You can use your ruins for great things. You can pray for these students as they're in middle school and high school and they're facing the same things and probably even to a greater scale. I, Susanna and I pray for our kids and I look back and think of my middle school and high school days and I think, oh dear God, <laughs> 
you know, what are they facing now? I mean, just look at the things I've done. And so I don't hide from that. I use that. Say, Lord, my boys are probably facing X, Y, and Z. So, Lord, just like me, when I face those things, I need you to guard them. You, you may be uh, rising from the ruins of, of financial. Whatever it is, you can use those ruins to, to pray for others, to counsel others, to help others. So God is telling you, look, don't ignore them. Have a dedication ceremony of your ruins. Dedicate those ruins. Commit to those beautiful ruins. In in chapter 12, verse 27, at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with song and thanksgiving and with music of, of cymbals, harps, and lyres. In verse 43, and on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard from far away. Just a few, a few verses, a few chapters ago, they were crying and weeping their eyes out because they realized up against the holiness of God's word, they realize what they what they had been doing as a nation for years. But then now, they're celebrating the ruins. They're dedicating the wall. Church, it's time for you to dedicate your ruins. Some of you may have ruins that you, you, don't, wanna, you don't want people to know. You want to hide, hide from that. I'm not saying you need to come down here, we're going to have a confession day of confessing all the ruins, but, but at least between you and God, get with God and say, okay, God, I have done this. And just speaking it with your mouth helps you to take that first step. And so there are people who are sitting around you who could be going through the same things, or will be going through the same thing that you had to go through that, that caused the ruins in your life. Dedicate your ruins. Dedicate that to the Lord. Commit it to God. Commit it to God. Because if you commit your ruins to the Lord, you're way less likely to go back and do those things again way less likely to go back and do those again. So, recap. So we don't go back and let those walls fall down upon us. So we don't go back and start doing the very things that cause ruins. We need to compare our life to the holiness of God. We need to confess our sinful ways and we need to commit or dedicate those, those ruins to the Lord. You know what I love is that the, these walls, 400 years or more from the time of Nehemiah, there, there was a man 
who walked this earth, who came to this earth. And he was God in the flesh. His name was Jesus. And I just wonder if sometimes he would just go to some of these walls and just rub his hand on it and just say, God, I love these beautiful ruins. I love these beautiful ruins. These actions by the Jews where they compare their holiness, unholiness to the holiness of God and they confess their sins and they committed their ways to him. Those things obviously kept them from returning back to the very things that caused their ruins. In that 400 years of silence before Christ was born, the Bible is silent. I mean, they weren't exiled anymore. Sure, the Roman government came and took over the world, but they weren't exiled. So 400 years before Christ, between Nehemiah and Christ, they didn't allow the ruins to overtake them. They didn't go back to the very things of, of idolatry that caused ruins in their life. And so there is hope. You and I can do the same thing. So are you ready to dedicate your ruins? Are you ready to dedicate your heart and your life to trust in the one who can make something beautiful out of your ruins? So this week, here's your homework, and we're gonna, we're gonna close. Here's your homework. Spend time with the Lord this week, and I want you to ask God, what, what are the ruins in my life? Because let me tell you, we all have them. What are the ruins in my life? And what are the things that I'm not allowing you to touch? Could be something you've done, or could be something that someone has done to you. But Lord, what are the ruins in my life? And what are the ruins that I have not allowed you to touch to make something beautiful? Ask him that question and walk this journey as God make something beautiful out of your ruins.